3: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Today,
0: that's a really good thing. <laughs> and we <got> a whole- <laughs> I know how much Bucky loves it. How much time do we have? 25. 25 seconds. Okay, folks, well, listen. Make sure you tune in to
6: the Sports Circus tomorrow at the same time and also we've got a couple of special guests coming up that we can't tell you about just yet but they'll be on the schedule on the website check it out
0: thesportscircus.com so for Long Beach Lenny myself the ringmaster cell and Colonel Bucky we'll see you tomorrow have a great day AM,
3: 106.5 FM and now 102.3 FM
1: NBC News Radio. I'm Paul Dean Jackson. Energy Secretary Rick Perry says 30 percent of U.S. fuel production has been knocked offline by Hurricane Harvey and gasoline prices will continue to climb. The Colonial
0: Pipeline has been shut down, for instance. That is a major deliverer of refined
3: product to the southeastern United States. Gas prices are going to go up because of the cut in... Uh, supply.
1: Energy industry expert Dr. Ellen Ward confirmed saying prices are already climbing as a result of the disruption to the Colonial Pipeline. We're already
7: seeing prices go up by anywhere from 20 to 30 cents a gallon.
1: Wall says the highest prices in gasoline is happening right now in North Carolina. She says she's not exactly sure why North Carolina would be the hardest hit, but she does say it appears the state is a very heavy recipient of product from the Colonial Pipeline. A FEMA national flood insurance program will end September 30th unless Congress votes to renew it. Thousands of people who have lost everything in Hurricane Harvey will be looking for the program to help.
7: All my assets in my house, all gone yeah.
4: for no insurance.
1: Houston resident Huben and Amador are not alone. FEMA estimates 83% of Harvey residents do not have flood insurance, meaning they will depend on the federal government for help rebuilding. A Chicago-area man is charged in an ISIS terror plot with ties to Brooklyn. Ethan Harp reports.
3: The Fed say 31-year-old Dilshav Kuzanov, born in Uzbekistan, put money into the bank account of a guy who was part of a group from Brooklyn. Prosecutors charged the Brooklyn group with terrorism two years ago. They say the men wanted to join forces with ISIS in Syria. The FBI thinks Kuzanov helped them raise money knowing their plans. Acting U.S. Attorney Bridget Rhodes says money makes all the difference when it comes to people trying to get into foreign terror groups like ISIS. Ethan Harp, NBC News Radio, New York.
1: Paul Dean Jackson... NBC News Radio.
0: From the KCAA Weather Center, this is Rod Arlen. Partly cloudy skies tonight. 76 for the low. 110 on Friday, with a low down to 75, 105 on Saturday, and then Sunday, 99, a little bit cooler, I guess. Chance for some storms. 72 for the low Sunday night. That's your weather forecast for this hour from KCAA, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM, 3 and 1, the trifecta of talk in Southern California.
3: This is Pastor Greg from Chosen Generation Radio Show, heard right here on KCAA, 1 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Do any of these sound familiar? Not sleeping well? Waking up tired? Drinking more coffee than usual? Can't stay focused? Craving sugary drinks and snacks? Feel like you're stuck on a treadmill? Having trouble managing your weight? Not sick, but not firing on all cylinders? Any one of these could mean that you might have a system overload, and thyroidrenal might just be right for you. Think about it, you've probably been feeling like this for a while. Life has a way of wearing you down, and if you aren't getting the right nutrients, then physical and emotional wear and tear will take its toll most of us at some time or another could use some nutritional support for our adrenal and thyroid glands to bring things back in balance our bodies respond well to optimal nutrition to keep daily energy levels up and stress levels down try thyroid adrenal from michael's naturopathic programs a nourishing support formula with vitamins minerals and herbs to put back what life takes out look for michael's on the label we're serious about good health thyroidrenal is available at leading health food stores nationwide. If you don't see it on the shelf, then ask for it by name. Thyroldrenal. This is
8: Dick from Carpet Masters. Carpet Masters has been serving the Inland Empire for over 60 years. We are locally owned and operated by the Stevens family. We not only clean carpet and furniture, we clean many loose rugs, including Oriental rugs. Oriental rugs are cleaned in our modern facility where the fringes are cleaned by hand then hung in our modern facility to dry. We do not use steam cleaning to clean your fine furniture. Furniture is cleaned by hand using the same absorption cleaning used in the White House. Some furniture we bring into our plant to clean properly. We normally use two men on each cleaning job using the extraction method. There is nothing that would clean carpet better for our customers. Our job is to clean properly with quality first. Google Carpet Masters, San Bernardino and give us a call or go to carpetmasterssocal.com. You've tuned in to
0: KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind.
4: Hi, y'all. Merle here. Good news. For once, my neighbors is jealous of me. You want to know why? Because my grass is growing and looking green and I can sit on my sofa out in the front yard and I don't even have to overwater it anymore. You know how I did it? I listened to damn water boys on the water zone every Thursday night on KCIA. Well, I got me a smart controller and now it waters at night and my yard looks darn tootin'. No more sneaking around and hooking up my hose to my neighbor's spigot in the middle of the night and his dog won't bite me anymore. And you can do it too, listening is easier than ever. KCAA is now screaming online. It's
1: streaming. What? It's streaming, you dummy.
4: Well, I don't know much about streaming, but they're doing it apparently at KCAAradio.com. And they also own three radio frequencies now too. 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, hmm. I guess that's for those one percenters who have three radios. So, anywho, listen to the water zone and fix your yacht up right, right here at KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind.
5: Live from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. Located in, well, it's not beautiful. It's muggy, sticky, rainy, hot California. Thanks for tuning into the Water Zone today. i um, Rob Star, along with Mr. Mike Barron, who I... Always like to call Mikeypedia because he's a smart guy. And together we collectively are known as Dahl the Water, Water Boys. Boys. So good afternoon, everybody. Hope everybody's doing fine. Uh, it is a muggy day here in California. It was hot. It was 111.
6: But we do like the rain. Yes, we do. We like that rain.
5: Yes. I can tell you this morning when I went out testing in the fields for some audio stuff with the lighting group, we caused enough perspiration that we could have flooded the area. It was so hot out there.
6: Well, you know, that's that in certain parts of the country. um, That's a source of on site water for irrigation, condensation from large coolers and water towers. Large body people. Large body people, yeah. (laughs) Maybe I could patent you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I could make money. My wife would like that. (laughs) But speaking of water, we just want to reach out to all those that have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. Yes. uh, In Texas and, uh, you know, our hearts and prayers and thoughts are with that group and uh, we certainly uh, would encourage our listeners uh, to do whatever they can to donate to uh, one of the reputable charities Red Cross or right uh, I and, think
5: and beware of scams that they're doing now on the internet there are people are just sending things in and saying hey we're this and we're that and and they're not legit
6: yeah I think uh, just to get a little Kudos to Toro. They did their research, and they've come out recently and, and identified three very worthwhile charities, World Vision, Salvation Army, and, of course, the Red Cross. Yep. Uh, and uh, our company, Toro, is going to match contributions that are made by Toro employees, which I think is always uh, you know it's, it's great. It really just helps uh, increase the, the impact of those donations.
5: And I wish more people would do that because, you know, what's it's really interesting, all these other countries in the world, the United States, every time there's a major issue in the United, you know, major devastation, people got hearts and they belly up to the bar and help out. Yeah. And, that's, and I, I wish we could be like that all the time without having hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all this. But uh, it's, it's a good thing. There, there are great, decent people in this country.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely.
5: So, and speaking of great nice persons, we have the purveyor of Maven's notebook, Miss Chris Austin, with us tonight. Hi, Chris. How are you?
7: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
5: We're doing wonderful. Are it's you It's get-
7: raining out here in Santa Clarita, or it was. It was amazing. It dropped the temperature twenty degrees in five minutes. Oh
6: my gosh! And, and
7: then another ten minutes later, it was thirty degrees cooler. Went from a hundred and two to seventy-two in the space of about a half an hour. Wow!
5: We'll be wow. there. We'll be there in an hour. It's hot here. We're
6: gonna drive.
7: <laughs> oh yeah, but it's still really muggy. Believe me. <laughs>
5: oh. So, what's going on? I hear things that the Delta tunnels are a waste of money from some people. for others, they say it could be a lifesaver. What's going on
7: well it's it's the you know it's the same story kind of continuing on. You know there are those that are you know really dead set against the tunnels, and there are those that that need them you know the the delta is water is an important source of water for Southern California and um you know it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out the delta tunnels opponents have been showing up in force at water district meetings all across town and they're making some headway in getting people to put off the vote but um, it's got to be a very difficult uh, very difficult situation uh they don't get as much uh i mean they they show up at metropolitan but what's interesting is about is that the directors at metropolitan like the people showing up don't are not necessarily directly their actual constituents but when they get out to these water district boards where we have elected members now facing some members of the public that are saying we don't want these tunnels you know they're um It's going to be an interesting dynamic. You know, uh, uh, 30% of uh, Southern California's water comes from the Delta. Um, I don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, if someone told you, you know, you're only going to have 70% of your income, I mean, there would be some impact from that. You would definitely have some lifestyle changes. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out.
6: Jay Lund uh, and... On your website, Maven's Notebook, uh, I found his little uh, quote um, insightful. He goes, in commenting about the different and opposing viewpoints that different constituencies have, he says, uh, we hold our convenient truths to be (laughs) self-evident. And it seems that each group, uh, you know, gathers information and viewpoints that support their their position. And he is... uh, I don't know. Do, do you do you find that they're very entrenched in their positions, or do you or do you sense that maybe there is some communication going on that's coming to some type of compromise around the twin tunnels?
7: Well, I I think that when it comes to the people in the delta, um, there is no compromise on the tunnels. They they do not want the tunnels. Plain and simple. Um, how that shakes out to the rest of the state is interesting. They 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 can energize, you know, they're energizing the base here in Southern California based on on uh, economics, you know, that that households can not afford it. When all these analyses are coming out, they're saying anywhere from a dollar seventy-three to seven dollars a month, which you know, I I mean. I certainly understand if you are low income and you don't have any money and you're struggling. You don't want to pay any more money for anything. But you know, the water bill is my smallest of bills that I pay around this house, and and you know, it's even it, it's hard to argue that that's an un, you know, an untenable amount of money to pay, especially when we all know that, our, our prices for water, our, our rates for water, are going to go up just naturally anyway. I'm always surprised. My parents live in, in Reno, Nevada, where they get their water from the river that runs through town and from groundwater that exists in the basin, and they routinely have water bills that are twice as high, three times as high as my water bills. Where my water gets flung over the Tehachapi, you know, in a a tremendous use of electricity, and yet I pay nothing, you know, hardly anything for it. Um, There's some really some great disparity in in water rates and what we probably should be paying. Um, You know, and and the the economists would tell you if we paid more, we would use less because we would value it more.
5: In in, in your opinion, I totally agree with you on the low income portion. But do you think there's a section of people who think that this is just more money that they're going to give and it's not going to be used for what it's supposed to be and it just goes somewhere else?
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18
7: plus. Well, I think that, you know, the money for the tunnels is the money for the tunnels. I don't think, I, I mean, the big concern is, you know, are there, are, are there going to be cost overruns? That's another thing that opponents point to, you know, and they point to things like the Bay Bridge, which went horribly over budget. But I don't think that um, the money is going to necessarily go anywhere else. It's just a question of of how much money. And, again, with the affordability and the funding really comes down to, you know, is agriculture going to pay for its portion? Because it's getting the majority of the water. Therefore, it should pay the majority of the cost, theoretically.
6: And I think that's why some uh, in the agricultural community are skeptical. Uh, about the tunnels, because they're afraid that the cost of water will rise to a to a level that makes their agricultural business non-competitive. But it just seems to me that whatever can possibly happen, there's no way that we're going to know everything up front, and you know you've got to rely on some of the experts to uh, direct these resources and, and it's the water agencies themselves that are going to be uh, incurring the debt and then charging right. customers you know for for uh, sufficiently to be able to pay off that debt and I, I i just remember someone making a point i think it was jay lund he made the point that the uh california water infrastructure is probably the most paid off or uh, more of the cost of that was paid by users than any other public uh, subway project that's ever been and so uh, you know there are things that get done that do not have a payoff because there's the political will to say yeah we got to have a subway in New York City and yet we seem to fight over water here in California.
7: Yeah, we, we'll, well, we've been fighting since we became a state, and we'll probably be fighting on to the end. You know, it's um, it all boils down to allocating water between urban, between agriculture, agriculture, and be- in between the environment, and uh, it's just a struggle, um, and, all the time. And
6: yet, if I do uh, read the information that the proponents of the water fiction, uh, California State Water Resources, uh, I guess the Department of Water Resources puts out. Um, the Twin Tunnel Project is supposed to improve the Delta ecosystem. It's supposed to be environmentally sensitive. It's supposed to increase the reliability of water deliveries. It's supposed to increase the resilience of, of California's w- water infrastructure. And and so it's it's sometimes it's challenging to say, well, okay, okay what, what, which of those elements is not good and well if-
7: you know i i can i can tell you that you know the the kind of the big issue in the delta is the reverse float when they turn you know we have the delta is essentially i'm going to make it i'm going to oversimplify it the delta is essentially a flat plate with river flowing in from the north river flowing in from the south and they should all go out to the west and go out to the ocean And we have these big export pumps in the South Delta. And when they turn those on, instead of the rivers going out west, out to the ocean, the rivers all turn and go straight down to the pump. That's very confusing for the fish that are trying to migrate, the salmon that are trying to go out of the river and go out to the ocean, and they find themselves sucked down to the pump. But... Um, And... The Department of Fish and Game at the time, now Department of Fish and Wildlife, has uh, said that these pumps in the south have been a problem since, you know, practically since the state water project was built. And part of the the idea of the California Water Fix is now they're going to take some of the water up north before it goes into the delta, and they're going to put it underneath the delta and send it down to the pumps at the southern portion. And this will eliminate all that reverse flow, that they'll just suction off a portion of the Sacramento River and the other rivers will flow out to sea as normal. And I think that this part of it will work. That will certainly change things, although impacts that are being felt in the southern delta may be felt in some of the channels of the north delta when they start taking that water out. But the problem that the people in the delta, the delta tunnel opponents say, is that by taking that fresh water out of the delta before it even gets a chance to go into the delta, that that's going to leave the less, uh, less sweet, the more, you know, there's more pollutants, more ag drainage. They're they're taking the best the best part of the water and they're taking that first before it has a chance to go into the delta and they say that's going to leave the bad water in the delta. It's going to make it hard to be to do farming in the delta. So that's that's where their that's one of their main objections. So what the, what a lot of the California water fix boils down to is operations. So you have these big tunnels. And if, they, and if the state operates the tunnels in one way, then, you know, that is kind of protective of the environment. They take some water, but not a lot, and they send it down, and then maybe everything will be okay. But people worry that in times of drought, they'll take more than they should, leaving the water going into the delta to be the uh, poor quality and, and compromising delta uses of water. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Yeah. That's what they're well,
6: complaining about. Well, that's a very good summary, and you know the fact that the reverse flows in the southern part of the delta would be eliminated with the twin tunnel project, uh, you know, is uh, kind of in the plus column. But as you said, there's a couple of minuses there as well, and that's that's where the disagreements come from. So thank you for uh, clarifying yeah. right.
7: that. And there's and there's no saying that there won't be some of those reverse flows problems now being moved up to the north delta in some channels oh, that can yeah, always happen
5: so. so do you do you see aside from the twin tunnels and all the other things i mean we have a lot of water issues in california like the nitrates in in, in a lot of rivers and streams and, and lakes do you think there's a plan or do you see a plan that the state has given on on what priorities have to happen and when and and, and second to that the monies to fix all those things. I mean, even the nitrate issue, just like the tunnels. Look how long that's taking. I mean, I mean, we're we're talking, you know, decades, and tons of money, and I don't know if they planned for that all.
7: Well, you know, the governor in 2014 put out what they call the California Water Action Plan, and actually, you know, rather than focusing on, you know, I I know that that that's. Well, you think they should pick a few things and focus on them. But in this, in this sense, he kind of picked out ten different uh, priorities for water, you know, making conservation a way of life, um, increasing regional self-reliance. There's like ten of them. I can't pull them all off the, the top of my head. Right. But those are the administration's priorities. Um, now, the, the nitrate problem in the drinking water has really come to, to fore. Just in the last couple of weeks, they have proposed a drinking water tax, the first, the first ever a statewide drinking water tax that would go to help disadvantaged communities in the Central Valley and the Salinas Valley and other areas um, clean up their water because they have water that they can't drink that comes out of their faucets. It's terrible. um and there's having quite a vigorous debate on this uh statewide water tax um the agriculture people are are for it um the water agency oh the environmental groups and the environmental justice groups are for it and the water agencies are against it um the water agencies uh objections to it center on basically to say we don't want to be a a tax collector for the state. And they also sort of point to the fact that the nitrate problem exists in the Central Valley and in the Salinas area because uh primarily because of agriculture in the first place. So by lopping a tax on to everybody we're at they're actually cleaning up agricultural problems. So, you know, aren't they kind of getting off easy (laughs) in a sense. So you know, the debate rages on. I, You know, the problem for funding anything for water is that we tend to do it a lot in these general obligation bonds. But bonds are temporary. They come and they go, and we vote for them or we vote them down, and they don't happen. And bond funding is not a way to get any long-term problem fixed. No. So the idea of having a statewide water tax that, uh, you know, addresses some of these uh, really hard issues. I think, you know, well, I'm not supposed to have an opinion, but it sounds to me like, you know, like like we're going to need something like that somewhere in the future. Whether this is it, I don't know. It sounds to me like it was kind of uh, put together kind of quickly, and maybe there needs to be some more thought into it.
6: Well, on a, um, on a, on a tax, I would uh, echo Rob's concern is, Will there be what 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 kind of assurances will be made to make sure that that water tax goes to the nitrate problem or to help disadvantaged communities because we already have uh, examples of where a state uh, government uh, doesn't always spend the money where it says it's spending it? Yeah.
7: And they kind of came up with this really out of the blue. So you know there's there really probably needs to be more thought and more attention given to this. Uh, um, w- but, again, we'll see how this shakes out. The legislature's back. We'll see if, uh, if they move on it.
6: Well, I know uh, we're going to move on. We've got to go to our commercial break. But just very quickly, Chris, on your website, Maven's Notebook, you have an excellent section uh, titled Delta and Statewide Planning Processes. And uh, it summarizes and provides information on each of the processes that currently exist that would impact the delta and the California water uh, uh, infrastructure. So um,
5: I think it's great for people to read that they get a better uh, understanding it, of,
6: of of everything what's it's happening. It's great, and while you're there, you can always make a donation and absolutely help, help uh, Maven's Notebook.
5: And you go match. to and you go to maven'snotebook.com, and and please help support her. She's a wonderful wealth of news. That's why we have her on, and
6: uh, we love her to death.
7: Well, it's great to be on here, guys. It's always great to talk to you. Hey, Good.
6: thanks for the update, and you take care. You too. And use your umbrella. Uh,
7: yes. <laughs> Never right. leave the house without it today. All right. All All right. we're okay. going to take
6: a little break here on
5: the water zone. We'll be back in just a minute with a couple words from our sponsor.
1: Do you hear it? springtime and folks across the country are excited to get their yards ready so they can get outside and kick back again and with Scotts and miracle grow in your shed it's easy whether you plan to grow spectacular plants and bountiful flowers
0: or enjoy a thick healthy lawn all
1: season long now's the time to get outside and fill. oh wait do you hear that the sound of great things to come it's time to fill your shed with Scotts and miracle grow
0: are you looking for a place to buy your landscape and gardening items come visit us at site one landscape supply we offer a large and quality selection of irrigation landscape and outdoor living products such as toros water efficient precision nozzles site one landscape supply has over 30 locations right here in southern california and we are the largest national wholesale distributor of landscape supplies in the united states site one's knowledgeable and friendly staff is equipped to help you with all your landscape irrigation and outdoor living projects. Whether you're redoing your backyard into a drought tolerant garden or creating a water efficient landscape for your client, Site One has everything you need, including the latest in water saving technologies, drought tolerant plants for your yard, irrigation supplies, fertilizer and weed control products, landscape accessories, hardscape products, outdoor lighting, and much, much more. Visit SiteOne.com to find a store near you or stop by today. Site One. We are stronger together.
5: Well, welcome back everybody to the Water Zone with Mike and Rob and hope everybody's having a nice, cool day in some areas. Here it's hot, sticky, rainy, muggy, but we're, we're enjoying that. We like, we like the water. We have a special guest today as we do every week. <laughs> And we have a nice lady named Susan Longville. She serves as the president of the San Bernardino Valley Municipal Water District, a state water contractor located in the Inland Empire of California, which imports water from northern California needed to meet the water demands in the, in the upper Santa Ana watershed. She's also the chair of the Santa Ana Watershed Project Authority, which we call SOPA, that is recognized around the nation for its award-winning One Water, One Watershed Integrated Regional Water Management Plan. She's a water policy analyst who retired in 2013 after more than a decade as the director of Water Resources Institute at Cal State San Bernardino. So welcome to the show, Susan.
2: Hello. Hi.
5: How are you doing? And you're out in Reno. I am. I'm here right now. Ah.
2: I'll be
5: heading back on Labor Day. Ah, is it Go back re- to work? Is it hot there?
2: Not as hot as it is down there. <laughs> in the
5: ah. So, just to, just to kick off a little bit, um, can you tell us about with
2: Lucky Land slots? You can get lucky just about anywhere.
5: area and what they do and and, uh, how you operate and where you get your water from and just a a brief summary of of that.
2: Well, back in the 60s, um, the San Bernardino Valley um, groundwater basin, we began to realize was not going to be sustainable as we grew. And we were, you know, we were overdrafting the basin. Um, And the voters were asked a number of times if we wanted to join the Metropolitan Water District. And the voters kept saying no. And in a way, that was probably a, a wise choice on their part because, instead, we became a state water contractor and bought into the state water project, bringing water from Northern California. And we are not part of the Metropolitan Water District. So, um, where 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 Orange County get water from the Colorado River, which is kind of salty, we don't get that water. We get the we get the water from Northern California that's captured in Oroville dam the dam that we almost had the failure in this year mm. and it brings it down um, as far as the delta where it's, where right now it flows across the delta and uh, is pumped out on the south end and like all the other state water contractors will be deciding in october whether or not to buy into california water fix for our you know for our service area because we we must um, when there's, when there's snowmelt available and our groundwater basins need it, we need to bring it down and put it in the ground so that we can have adequate water supplies. So that's what we do. We bring in the water from Northern California and manage the groundwater for the cities of San Bernardino and Rialto and Colton and Redlands and Caipa and Grand Terrace and Colton, all the cities in the, in, that are right below the San Bernardino Mountains. So we serve about three quarters of a million people. In about a 350-mile service area, 300 square mile service area.
6: So is the. Uh... So, are you strictly a retail agency, or do you also wholesale uh, water?
2: We are only a wholesale agency. Oh, we are wholesale. not a re- Only a wholesale agency. Gotcha. We serve all the retail agencies who deliver the water to the homes and the businesses and the institutions. But we are the wholesale agency. We have no customers of our own. We serve the retail water agencies.
5: That's
2: exactly...
5: No, go ahead, sorry.
2: So that's what we do. Just like Metropolitan Water District doesn't have customers, it serves all of the 28-member agencies, we are like a little metropolitan, but we just serve the upper Santa Ana watershed below the mountains.
5: So what is what is the Valley District's entitlement to the uh, State Water Project water? A little
2: that. over... a when we have an entitlement of a little over 110,000 acre feet, that means that in, in any given year, depending upon snowmelt, the state determines how much of that entitlement we they're going to make available to us. So some years that can be really low, like during the drought, it was zero or 10 percent or 20 percent, which meant that we could get 10 percent of our 110,000 acre feet um, or 20 percent. This year we had a record high um, of almost seventy percent. So we've brought down every drop we can and put it back in our groundwater basin. It, this
7: year,
6: it, it seems that with the uh, rainfall, record rainfall that uh, Northern California experienced this this year, um, that you would have got a hundred percent. But but no, is that because you didn't want to take it all, or were you just no? Limited? It's
2: because because we did. Because the state didn't didn't supply a hundred percent, and that's dependent upon how much we think we can bring across the delta as it is now. Um, you know, and we have some months where we actually can't use the pumps because there's you know too many um, endangered species down there, and the pumps just aren't operating. So every year they give us the amount, and this was a high amount, but so, not quite the whole amount. So, so we pay, you know yeah. we pay for our share of the cost of the system. Based on based on our entitlement so we oh, pay oh. for
6: so you you pay based on what you're entitled to not on what you actually receive.
2: Well we pay for two things we pay what we pay a portion of what we're entitled to and that's the money that operates the system and all hmm. the dams and the pumping plants and, and and pays for the maintenance and pays for you know all the things to keep that system working. We always have to pay for a hundred percent of those costs whether we get any water or not. If we bring the if the water that we that we actually get we pay for the transmission costs of that we pay for the electricity and all the pumping charges to get it down here, so we pay more when we actually when it's available so it it's two
6: costs mm-hmm. one
2: right. is the one is the system cost the other is is the water that we actually transport and get down here
6: I all just right. have a one one real quick question, and I don't know if this information even exists but either for your agency or maybe just for all of the uh, consumers of State Water Project water in Southern California, what percentage of all the available time in a year do the pumps actually operate to send water to Southern California? Is that a known? Does anybody keep track of that?
2: Well, we keep track of it, that we know every year exactly, exactly what we're capable of doing. But because um it is such a it is such a challenged system when the state water project was built you know we brought all this water down to the delta and 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 and, fl- and at where it flowed across and then we only had pumps on the south end um what the california water fix does is it puts it 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 puts the pumps on the northern side of the of the delta and and then these thirty thirty two thirty five um foot pipelines that go under the delta transport it through and um so it gives us you know it gives us more reliability it means that more of the water from northern california will actually make it down to southern california and to the central valley farm but but let's be very clear you know it's not well understood that of all the snowmelt up there about 70 percent of it always goes out to the ocean it goes into the it, it flows out, you know, for fisheries, for environmental reasons. So there's really only about less than 30% that's ever available for the 2 million acre-feet that's considered entitlement. That's water that can be purchased by the state water contractors. The majority still does flow out through the ocean for good reasons.
6: Yeah, so to that, maintain that, fisheries. That, that kind of proportion, that's that's very interesting because sometimes it almost sounds like oh we're taking we're robbing northern california here in southern california and gosh if 70% of the, all the water that's up there goes out to the ocean I, you know i think we're using well, the excess you know not not right. any of the essential water that the Well North and is. part
2: of that is because the delta is the largest estuary on the west coast that estuary where you have seawater coming in and fresh water coming in you know we have to you know i mean we're yeah, you know, we have to re- maintain a balance there. If we pump too much water in out, then we would suck salt water into the delta, and the whole estuary would collapse. Yeah. So it's a an estuary is where fresh water comes in from rivers and 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 where ocean water comes in from the ocean. That's what an estuary is right.
5: Well, going back where where you get your water, it's my understanding that. Uh, your district as well as Western Municipal Water District have filed water right applications with the State Water Resources Control Board to get authorization to divert water from the Santa Ana River. That's
2: right. Right. We also have a water right, uh, you know, application that we're perfecting. And that's where we we actually um, get water from the Santa Ana River that's released from Seven Oaks Dam. Mm -hmm. And that's the water we get off the river. Um, but we also some of our our retail water agencies get water from the tributaries to the Santa Ana River. So it comes off of Lytle Creek. it comes off of Mill Creek, and some of that water goes you know it also goes into our water supply. So we have you know you know so we, we have we have we have, kind of, we have several uh, um, you know sources of Santa Ana River water.
5: How much if you didn't get any more water for a month? or two mm-hmm. months, how much capability or storage of water do you have?
2: Well, the Bunker Hill Basin is a huge groundwater basin. But remember, groundwater is not like a balloon of water that's under the ground. Groundwater is, is, is basically water that's in the sediment. So when we put a pump down, in the, down, down into the groundwater basin, those pumps draw the water through the sediment and then bring the water up through the pump. Um, and we have to maintain a real careful balance of, 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 of how much we draw out, um, because if you try to draw out too much, you know, your pumps actually will cease to operate, you know, efficiently. Um, and that's where you hear about, you know, groundwater, about wells being dug deeper, because... They're not operating properly because you're trying to take too much out so you go deeper
5: And you get more impurity, and you get basin. more and you get more impurities doing that as well.
2: You do you get a lot more minerals that come there and then you have to spend a lot more money treating to get those minerals out and if you and if you really you know, over you know, pump your water basin, then you get what's called subsidence where you know, your ground levels actually begin to drop. So, you know, you can, you know, they have signs up in the Central Valley where you can see, you know, what looked like um, telephone poles and you can see where the ground used to be 40 years ago. Mm. And that whole landmass has sunk down because they've overextracted these groundwater basins. But we don't have that problem down here because, in large part, because we're an adjudicated basin. Mm. You know, the courts determined how much we could extract and they also determined how much we had to leave in the river so that it flows down the river for our other wholesale water agencies all the way to, to, the, to Huntington Beach. So we share through a court judgment.
6: So, so when you mentioned adjudicated basin, um, maybe you could share uh, with our listeners kind of what, what does that actually mean in layperson's terms? And, and, and uh, maybe how did that come to be? It came
2: to be because because everybody was on the Santa Ana River basically sued one another. so the people in, in, in Orange County sued the people in in, River, in in San Bernardino and Riverside County and the people you know in San Bernardino and Riverside County sued the people in Orange County and we had over 2,000 parties in a giant lawsuit that was finally adjudicated in the courts. Um, I used to be at the Water Resources Institute, you noted, and we had a huge archives of all the history of the Santa Ana watershed, and when that judgment was settled by a special master that was appointed by the courts, they pointed out that this was the most adjudicated river west of the Mississippi, Mississippi. and the reason why is because it's so populated. You know, Orange County just grew and grew, Riverside County, you know, they knew was going to grow as is San Bernardino County. So we had all these lawsuits, and millions and millions of dollars was being wasted on lawsuits. And, and And eventually, it went to the courts, and the courts arrived at what's called the 1969 judgment that determined how much water we flow. We have to leave in for Riverside and Orange County, and determine how much we could pump. So we live under that adjudication.
6: And, and we hear today— It's almost 50 years old.
2: It'll be 50 years old in the, in
6: 2019. So what kind of strikes me is that we hear, we heard of the SIGMAC, you know, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act of 2014, and that has to do with uh, groundwater basins. And if I understand you correctly, then really the the, the groundwater basin tied to the—or part of the Santa Ana River watershed— uh, really got managed. Well, we, were,
2: we were exempted from from the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. We were exempted because we're adjudicated. That doesn't mean that we don't have to have to you know sustain our groundwater basins by by putting you know wet year water back in the basin when it's available, which is what we do. We still have to do that too. But we were exempted from that act. All of those groundwater basins that are now forming their groundwater sustainability councils and are beginning to do their their groundwater studies to determine, you know, how to manage their basin have never done this before. They've just been, you know, in an at will pump what you want wherever you want situations for decades, you know, for a hundred years or more. And we and so the adjudicated basins were actually exempted.
6: But but the goal of the Sigma Act is really to get management uh, protocols that are somewhat maybe even developed by the Santa Ana Watershed uh, adjudication. I mean, basically they want to have an integrated plan to sustain those ground basins so that there's going to be water. Uh, not only in the next decade, but but beyond that. I mean, the goals are the same, are they not? Of a, of what was accomplished with Sapa um, versus what they're trying to do with these other ground basins, or is it or is it real different?
2: No, it's very much the same. One's court ordered, and one's now was ordered by the legislature under the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Do,
6: and, and do you get many co- calls about? from these uh, developing um, councils or entities to kind of, I mean, with all the experience that your organization has, uh, and, and our listeners, I, I, I just started using the word Sapa, but that is the Santa Ana Water, Authority, right. Water Authority Project. Um, is that right? Is that the right words? I don't know. Right. I...
2: Well, yeah. Sapa is, is the Santa Ana Watershed Watershed Project Authority. Project. It was formed, it was, it was formed almost 50 years ago. After the adjudication, and basically it was formed so that the entities that were that were adjudicated would talk to one another and would discuss what they wanted to do um, and to avoid having to, to basically help us live under the judgment. So we formed Sapa, and we called it not a project authority back then. We called it a planning authority so that we would talk about what we were planning and try to get along in the actual rules are that you have to talk to everybody and you have to agree before anybody does anything requires a unanimous vote
5: and you've got five partners in that correct and
2: we have five partners we have the four other wholesale water agencies orange county water district eastern municipal and western municipal which are both in riverside county the inland empire utilities agency which is the western end of san bernardino county the whole ontario chino you know, Montclair, all of those communities. So those four water agencies are all a part of the Metropolitan Water District. And we're the ones that is not part of Metropolitan, who has our own imported water supply from the state water project. So that was what we were formed for, was to keep the peace. And then we were changed to a project authority when the agencies determined that they needed to do a project. And that project was the brine line. And the brine line was, is, a, is a pipeline that, that, that exports really salty discharges. The brine that comes from, from industrial processes, it comes from desalters, it comes from wastewater treatment plants. And we put that really salty, briny discharge into a pipeline, and then we take it out into the ocean and discharge it. So mm-hmm. the brine line helps us maintain our water quality. So that was the project that Papa built and owns, and we sell capacity in the brine line to people who need to discharge. So it's a project we own and we operate, and it's very successful. And uh, and it will be there for you know for, for another hundred years, I'm sure. We're just repairing it right now.
5: On a, on a legal question, say three of us own a, a gigantic farm in, mm-hmm. in 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 your territory. And it's hundreds of acres, and mm-hmm. under underneath the ground there's water. Mm-hmm. Who controls that?
7: Well, it's those
2: those 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 agricultural you know wells are are all part of the adjudication. So I mean, if every every one of our 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 wholesale water agencies has to work with the people in our area to determine uh, you know how much water they can pump from their wells so that's how it's done it's done by wholesale water agencies working with our agricultural customers our, our our and our urban customers and also we are also environmental stewards you know we have to keep water in the river we have to you know we have to ha, have to invest in 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 healthy fish fish populations in the river so you know we have the santa ana sucker just like up in the delta they have the delta smelt Right. Which is a listed species, we have a listed species in our river too. So we' we very much serve agriculture, urban areas, and also the environment. That's part of our, our, our job is to meet our environmental stewardship requirements that the regulatory agencies um, tell us uh, you know that I mean mandate us to do.
5: Do, do you think the, do you think the priorities will change between the, the balance of those three areas?
2: no i think that that all three are are co-equally important um you know there's only so much supply available and when there are trade-offs made as we've seen you know for example in the chino area more and more of those dairy farms and agricultural preserves have become houses you know one retires and the other one grows it's an equal balance it's a balance that you know is, is regulated, you know, by, you know, by basically choices that communities
6: make. Mm. You mentioned the brine line, and obviously mm-hmm. it requires it required an investment. Um, what is the relationship between uh, an organization like Sapa and funding that's made available, say, by um, state Propositions, or perhaps there's laws that say, "Hey, this funding is going to be available to worthwhile projects that focus on water infrastructure." Could you share with our listeners how that works in the real world?
2: Well, in the real world, you know, because there are you know there are hydrologic regions that are that have um, are, are each given a certain amount of that proposition money. Um, so Sapa gets. Um, You know, a certain amount of money is going to come into our district for grants and for loans from these from these propositions. So that's what Sapa does. Sapa actually acts as a clearinghouse to determine how we spend that that money that comes in from from all the propositions. Remember, we started with the first proposition back in the year 2000, which was Prop 13. Then we did Prop 50, which the voters approved. Then we did Prop eighty four, which the voters approved, and then during the drought, the voters approved Proposition One. So that's in reality how that water comes into the nine hydrologic regions of the state, which are all regulated, you know, by a regional water quality control board. So that's what SAPA does. And we've got a rather we've got a very sophisticated integrated regional water management plan and structure for how we decide you know how to spend that money and that's the award-winning one water one watershed or as we call it oh wow (laughs) (laughs) it's our oh wow um you know planning process and we actually have a steering committee that's made up of three county supervisors one from orange county one from riverside county and one from san bernardino county there's a mayor from each one of the counties and we have a developer, we have environmental organizations, we've got the Regional Water Quality Control Board, and they actually also prioritize how we should spend the money. Well, I- so in the real world, that's how it's done. It comes into a region, and then that region, based on their own integrated regional water management plan, pick the projects that actually you know, are, are, are ready to go. And the thing to remember about propositions is propositions never pay for 100% of anything. Even if you get a grant, there's a huge match that goes with it that's either 50% or more. So you might say, hey, we'd like to do this project, which is a, let's say it's a conjunctive use project. We have a huge one that we funded from Prop 84 called the Santa Ana River, you know, conjunctive use and conservation plan. We call it SARCUP. And SARCUP got $55 million in grant money, but we also kicked in $55 million in matching money. And what SARCUP is going to do is it's going to put, when there's snowmelt available, we're going to put a certain amount of, of that water in our groundwater basins, and we're only going to extract it when we're in a drought for basically what we call dry year yield. So that's how we determine how we spend that money. But a project might not might be a great idea, but if there's no match for it, then as we like to say, it's not ready for prime time. <laughs> we can't fund it because there's no local match.
6: Well, and, and that so, that local match really uh, gets the local agency to be invested and committed to that project, doesn't
2: it? Absolutely. You yeah. never want to give anybody anything for free.
5: No, you need, the, you need the skin it, it in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: it, well, not only that is there's not enough money. These propositions is as large as they've been, you know, when we talk about $5 billion or something, when you spread it across a state with as many people and as many regions as California, it's just a, a pittance. We like to call it a coupon in many cases. <laughs> and and some, some projects, for example, you know, some of our, you know, we have a project in the Upper Santa Ana watershed that's, that's proposed out in the city of Highland which is called the Sterling Natural Resources Center. It's a recycling project. That project isn't going to get any grant money, but what it's applied for is the state revolving fund loan so that they can borrow the money to build it for a lot less than you would have to pay if you went out on the municipal bond market or went out you know, to seek other funding. It's like 1.8%. Hmm. And that money is loaned for a project over thir- over 30 years, which makes it more affordable.
6: But then that money goes... So
2: a lot of that proposition money goes into the state revolving fund. And,
6: and, and then the agency would pay the revolving fund back? Yeah, they, t- pay
2: it, they have to pay it back over 30 years. And they that, have a
6: payment every single year. Yeah, and that provides uh, resources for some other future project. So that, Yeah, you bet. That's good.
5: And that, does, that, does that percentage... Uh, Stayed the same for the thirty years, or
2: no, it, no, no. It, it depending upon fluctuates. upon upon you know what market rates are. I mean, you know, for a while the state revolving fund was down at you know one point five percent and one point six percent. Right now it's at one point eight, and depending upon basically the cost of money, it could go a little bit higher. It goes up and down, depending depending upon you know uh, upon the market. So because obviously the bonds, the propositions when they when they fund under the state revolving fund, they're actually also going out on the bond market and and, and to, to basically make that money available to us.
6: Right.
2: So it's how we stretch it. If we paid for everything with cash, we'd get a whole lot less.
6: Mm. So
2: we want to make sure that some of these projects are going to be paid for over thirty years, a hundred percent by the local district through payment.
5: What happens when that when they default?
6: Uh, well, there's always a, a ready ready market for the sale of water. Hey, so listen, if, if a project
2: defaults, that money gets reallocated and goes elsewhere. Well, now I I'm, mean, if there's a failure, if there's a failure, the agency is really on the hook.
6: Well, now I'm going to you know, ask and the,
2: mo- and the money that they don't use gets loaned to somebody else.
6: So Susan, I'm going to ask you to do some heavy lifting here. So you can either say, mm-hmm. Mike, that's the that's the dumbest question I've ever heard, or you can respond. <laughs> so what I see. Going back to that adjudicated basin and the story you told back in 1969, you know, the um, the court saying, hey, you five entities, you got to work together and you're not going to do anything unless you um, all agree. So a bunch of lawsuits, a lot of money spent. It reminds me of what's going on now with the uh, the California fix issue, right? There's there's different sides, all with different opinions, spending lots of money. uh mm-hmm. Could could what evolve to create Sapa and the way those folks work together? Could that ever be a model for the a Delta fix that would include those co-equal goals of um, ecosystem restoration and protection of our natural resources, but also providing a more sustainable or reliable resource so, of water? So
5: you're looking for private individuals or private organizations now to work with the state and try to
6: I'm just I'm just saying hey is there a model could that ever be a model there
2: is there is is no model for an adjudication that big (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's probably not practical I think what we're going to see you know over the next couple of years with all of these lawsuits and remember it's not just environmental organizations it's all those counties up there where the corruption is going to take place and and where there's strong local opposition is is that you know those entities say you listen there's a project out here they're offering us this if we if we file a lawsuit um we might get more or we might stop it but whatever the case is going to be the money we're going to invest in the lawsuit we think is going to leave us in a better place than we are now.
6: Yeah. Interesting. Well, Excuse so me, I
2: have a plane going over.
6: Oh, well, that's, okay. <laughs> well, that's right. You're, you're, you're at an airport, aren't you?
2: I'm near the or Reno th- Airport. Actually, okay. just went by. Well, we but, sure appreciate but the flight you. Flight path goes over here. We appreciate so yeah, it. so so I mean, I think all of these. Remember, if, if, you know, if a lot. I mean, go back to the '60s when you know the first. You know, when our first governor Brown proposed a state water project. There was huge opposition um, to it, and there were a lot of lawsuits, and eventually it got settled, and and the project was built. I think in California Water Fix, we've, you know, there, I, I believe that what's gonna happen is the majority of the state water project contractors are gonna buy into California Water Fix. Some of them may not, and one thing that's not well understood is that if let's say i'm a state water contractor like up in the santa clara valley santa clara valley you know uh, santa clara county water district is right now saying we're not buying in what they'll be able to do is they'll still be able to get state water project water that comes from those old pumps on the south end when they're working those aren't those pumps down in the south end are not going to be shuttered and blown up or retired. They're still going to operate when they can,
6: but
2: they won't get any of the